Ever since the Great Space Race launched with Sputnik in 1957 and peaked with Neil Armstrong taking one giant leap for mankind in 1969, the human race has been obsessed with getting back to the moon. Or getting there at all if you're one of those Kubrick soundstage theorist people. But and anyway, whether just to be cool or get some cracking green cheese or even colonization, America, as well as other countries, are planning to get back to the lunar surface in the next two to three years. But here at the Podfix Network, we have unearthed the true reason behind these future missions. Because there are Amazon women on the moon. It was 1985 and Universal was hard at work shooting Amazon women on the moon, which then, although ready to go in 1986, was not released in theaters until September of 1987. Described as a spoof of low-budget 1950s science fiction movies interspersed with various comedy sketches and fake commercials making fun of late-night television, this anthology includes segments directed by Joe Dante and John Landis, as well as stars like Arsenio Hall, Joe Pantoliano, and Michelle Pfeiffer, to name a few. Over the next few months, the Podfix Network will be revisiting the sketches and commercials segment by segment, from Mondo Kondo to Roast Your Loved One to Reckless Youth. Plus, we'll break down the spoof movie Amazon Women on the Moon woven throughout this anthology as well. So buckle into your cockpit seats, adjust your space helmets, and prepare for launch as the Podfix Network goes to the moon. Hello and welcome back again. It is week three as we here at the Podfix Network prepare uh, to head to the moon. I am uh, the Chief Lunar Expedition Officer, KG, and uh, joining me, uh, we still don't figure out his title for this, but he's I, he's going to get fitted for his spacesuit today, going to make sure he passes his physical and everything uh, from uh, this week today and armchair radio man i remember those uh chris green tof hello sir hello um i have to be some sort of officer don't i in this journey yeah sure okay i mean i'm not coming out here demanding to be the captain i feel like that's a little bit arrogant but uh, no no you're definitely not the captain i definitely have have some sort of important position i'm going to spend a lot of time on the bridge i feel like that's where i'm going to spend some time I, but I mean, look, you probably could be captain. I'm not. I'm not going to go up in the thing. It'll probably explode on the way there. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe I am the captain. Yeah, I'm the captain now. <laughs> yeah, move over. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we still need a captain. I'm I'm still searching for one. But I look, first things first, you got to pass physical, and you got to make sure you can fit into one of these cool customized pod fix spacesuits with the logo and everything on it. Um, so we'll get you set up with somebody to check that whole thing out. In the meanwhile, folks, uh, this is our uh, third week in a row now. We are watching the segments of Amazon Women on the Moon uh, and prepping to go to the moon to find said Amazon Women. This week, we are covering uh, the second uh, thing directed by John Landis in this uh, in this thing. I mean, as I mentioned in the, in the first week, this was supposed to be kind of like a sequel to Kentucky Fried Movie, which he directed all of. Um, and instead, it ends up being more of an, an homage to it. And so you know, there's mul- multiple directors that are involved. Uh, this is the second one that we're covering that he did. He did Mondo Kondo in our first episode. And uh, this one, I mean, it, 
it, this is a very good spoof of like a hospital drama, but like our hospital sitcom type thing. And I think it, it, it this feels very John Landis like to me, I think in, in this one. Toph, before we dive fully into the hospital episode, uh, have you ever seen this movie before? No. Any, any no, parts? I, I've not seen a single second of it until you invited me to be part of this project. And thank you for that. Mm-hmm. I, I was aware of it. And I was, I, I didn't really have a point of reference as to when it was out. I mean, I knew it was a long time ago. I was surprised it was as recent as the late 80s because it feels, I actually did see Kentucky Fried Movie probably when I was way too young and I shouldn't have seen it. But, you know, as an 80s kid, we saw lots of things like that we shouldn't have seen. But mm-hmm. but I don't I don't remember I don't remember ever seeing that I, I never saw this and I I would have thought this came out earlier like like sooner. Mm. Yeah, I I mean I, this is definitely one that, um, as we discussed last week uh, with Lotto, uh, because of the nature of the the pet house video, this is definitely one of those ones that I snuck downstairs, um, you know, after everyone else went to sleep in order to turn on HBO and watch it, uh, and check things out. Uh, again, my family early adopters of cable, and and I benefited from it by watching um, things that you know a young twelve and thirteen year old boy probably shouldn't have seen. But then nowadays, twelve and thirteen year old boys are probably like, "This is dumb." I see more than well, that. No, I mean, I I was also in that crowd. I mean, I had early cable. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it, and and I saw lots of things, just like you referenced, that I shouldn't yeah. have seen. Uh, some sometimes I saw them clearly on the screen. Other times I saw them. You know, through through you know, scrambled screen <laughs> where we just did the best yeah. we could. Um, and, and I guarantee, I, I guarantee, I watched this also in like the the edited versions. Like it probably showed up on on like early TBS or TNT or whatever was the equivalent of that um, yeah. in the late eighties, early nineties. I watched, I watched it then as well, uh, and I remember all of these. It just as in watching it because uh, I bought the DVD like a number of years back when it came out uh, on DVD. I don't think there's a Blu-ray version of it, and it's not streaming anywhere. Uh, but I did, um, you know, I've I watched it, and and there's definitely much more humor that I'm that I enjoy now than I would have even as you know, twelve or thirteen. There's some parts of this that it doesn't matter, you know, if you're a kid or not. It's the a kid or an adult. It's still gonna be funny stuff. Um, the Looney Tunes esque escapades of the Mondo Condo episode are gonna be funny no matter what your age is. Uh, but you know, some of these things I'm like, I probably wouldn't catch on or, uh, any like Easter eggy type things or subtle inside jokes that I wouldn't have got at the time. It's not a thing that would have registered for me. Um, so I'm very happy to get to not only go back and rewatch this, but also then share it with other people. Well, if you referenced a uh, Kentucky fried movie mm-hmm. and, uh, as you well know, and the audience should as well, each time I've ever made an appearance on one of your podcasts, Keith, uh, one thing that you know that I do is extensive research. You know, so for my own show, I'm, I'm sorry, you um, extensive. Well, I mean, you know, on my own show, oh. I only do cursory research, but but out of respect for you and out of appreciation for being invited to come on on your show, I do extensive research, and that's why I keep getting invited back, so I don't have to do any heavy lifting. That's right. I, that's what I'm here to do that for you. So, so <clears throat> in my extensive research for this episode, I did come across a note about Kentucky Fried Movie, but 
while doing that, I came across something else that I, I had no knowledge of. And that was the movie that came out the next year after. So Kentucky Fried Movie came out in 1977. Also, I thought that was more recent. Uh, do you know what the movie was that came out that was similar to it that came out the very next year that, I, that I've never heard of, but I absolutely want to go and, and, and dig into? Um. Oh, hold on. You know, what I'm, uh, you know what I'm about to say? Everything you always want to know about sex, but we're afraid to ask? No, that's uh, 72. No, I, no, no. This is in 1978. Yeah. No. Nope. Um, no, I do not know. Okay, so so in 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 the research for Amazon Women on the Moon, it says see also Kentucky Fried Movie 1977. It also says UHF 1989, but in 1978, Disco Beaver from Outer Space. Oh. Okay. I need I need to look at the see other things that are similar to this list. Yes, there's um, a movie that came out that year called Disco Beaver from Outer Space. Uh, I think it was it was a National Lampoon movie. It was made for HBO, uh, which I think it came out on HBO in 1979, not 78. Hmm. So I'm not sure what the confusion is there. But it, w- it was an early, early production by National Lampoon. And I've never heard of it, but boy, am I curious. Is that like, um, you know, it's like the big like HBO launch? Yes, we're going to have this. All right, good, good question. National Lampoon, I think, because seventy nine is about this time when HBO kind of kicks off. So, by the time I, I <clears> stumbled <throat> across this delicious nugget, I did not have time to dig more deeply. It was it was time for me to end my research and and come on the show. I gave you five extra minutes. Well, that's true, and and I did. I wanted to go down that rabbit hole, but it, mm-hmm. it was just too far. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the skit called Hospital was directed by John Landis. And I've I've already mentioned uh, it in our first episode some of the things he's most known for. But uh, Chris, did you know that in his early career he worked as a stuntman specializing in horse falls? <laughs> no, no, I did not. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll find some other uh, fun little IMDb esque trivia. But um, specializing in horse falls was what stuck out to me here. Yeah, somebody brought their golden shovel to this episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're gonna dig deep. Um, this. Uh, segment stars and this is i think this is one of my favorite parts about uh, you know showing people this and letting people get a chance to see this who have never had it because there are so many people very early in their careers that show up in in this um in this one we get uh michelle pfeiffer uh we also get peter horton uh who not only is in this episode but he's also going to do some directing as well and we get griffin dunn um all of who are very early in the, in their careers. Uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, she had just done Grease 2, and she had done Scarface and Lady Hawk and Witches of Eastwick right prior to this movie. Um, and then she does this, and then she goes and has another very strong run of movies right after this as well. Um, yeah. how, how old was Michelle Pfeiffer when she made this film? Oh, she's got to be something in her 20s. She was born in nineteen. 1950- I mean, I don't. I don't ask woman her age. Well, that's what the internet is for. Yeah, you know, I ask the internet a woman's age. I won't ask a woman. She graduated um, high school in nineteen seventy six, so she was born in fifty eight. And this movie okay. was in. So she was thirty. This was filmed in like eighty six. There is no way she was thirty. She was thirty when she made this. Wow. 
No, come on. You're doing the math there. I mean, I I mean, around thirty. She's around thirty. Yeah. Okay. Thirty, thirty, thirty something. Which is, which is well, that's what Peter Horton, her husband at the time, was best known for. Oh, were they married? I didn't know that. Yes. Yes. Okay. I Um, recognized Peter Horton, and I was surprised that he was one of the directors of this project. So was I. In fact, um, in writing stuff down, I was writing down all the things that I was looking up details on him. And the two craziest things I found was that he was uh, married to Michelle Pfeiffer at this time. They divorced in 1988. And that he is directing two of the movie, <laughs> two of the, the skits that I was looking at oh, and sketches in this. Wow. Because I hadn't gotten that far down the list yet. Um, he also you, dated you... Valerie Harper in the 70s. Yeah. If, 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 you, if you're lucky enough to marry Michelle Pfeiffer, you need to figure out how to make that work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that would be a, a good move. Um, especially... Because uh, there's a study done on the faces of beautiful women quantifying the ratio of the width of the mouth to the width of the nose, attempting to find the perfect proportions for the perfect face of feminine beauty. The ratio turns out to be something like one, 1. 1.7. Uh, the movie star with the most perfect proportions for feminine facial beauty based on this measurement turns out to be Michelle Pfeiffer. Wow. I'm not surprised. Yeah. That's, that's, that's good hard scientific work i'm sure somebody got a grant that should have gone to curing some other disease but they got it in order to figure that out <laughs> well she's uh she was attractive in this mm-hmm. movie and even to this day she's absolutely gorgeous yeah i i, I, I haven't thought of michelle pfeiffer in a long time and and this has renewed my michelle pfeiffer crush well yeah uh she's very good in batman returns apparently though she uh replaced annette benning in that movie because annette good benning call. Uh, was pregnant good call yeah, I can't imagine Annette Benning being it playing Catwoman in that. Um apparently she also turned down Sharon Stone's role in Basic Instinct. Oof. And she was considered for the role uh in Fast Times of Ridge Mahai that went to Jennifer Jason Lee. Oh wow. Yeah. So interesting. A lot a lot of little things there about Michelle Fiverr. The well, third she member would've, she would have been she would have been I don't know, like twenty when that movie was out. Well, she probably she probably looked like a teenager. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, wow. she's thirty something here, and she doesn't look it in the mo- in this movie either. I gotta be honest with you, Keith. I was hoping you'd say that she was considered for the uh, Phoebe Cates part. <laughs> no, no. Only Phoebe Cates could pull that off. Uh, Michelle, there's Michelle Pfeiffer could have pulled that off. Although, ah, yeah, probably. Phoebe Cates made it very memorable, of course. So no, no complaints. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the last person in, in this uh, segment is Griffin Dunn. He plays the doctor. Uh, I know him not only from this, but also he's in uh, one of my favorite movies, American Werewolf in London, which is also directed by John Landis. Uh, John Landis considers American Werewolf in London uh, his masterpiece. Griffin and, Dunn doesn't, doesn't seem even slightly familiar to me. No. Uh, do you ever watch uh, the TV show This Is Us? Yes, I watched a couple yeah. episodes of that. Yeah, he plays Uncle Nicky on about forty-seven episodes of that. Oh, I'd have to go back and see it. Yeah, I, I yeah. just don't recognize him. Even even his today picture, it, it doesn't seem familiar. Mm. Uh, and wasn't a lot of uh, IMDb trivia notes here on Griffin, except uh, he is apparently good friends with Michael Keaton. Oh, and also Carrie Fisher. Uh, the late Carrie Fisher. Late Carrie Fisher, yeah. He was he was good friends with Jerry Fisher. 
He was. He was. Michelle Pfeiffer, she plays uh she plays Brenda Landers and um her real life husband at the time, uh Peter Horton. Here's a who. Uh he plays Harry Landers uh in this, and they are uh they're new parents. They've just had a baby, uh, but they haven't got to see the baby yet. Um, and we're gonna find out why. Now, this opens up on a hospital. Um, it's definitely a spoofy take on a network medical show, uh, a little bit more of a sitcom vibe to it because it like the music that they play at the beginning when they show the hospital makes me think of like uh, like a, a TGI Friday lineup yep. type show. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we start with a voiceover, but then we, you know, we go into the room and it's these brand new parents, uh, Harry and Brenda. They're chatting it up. He is so proud of her and all you know the the effort she put in. She couldn't have done it without her favorite Lamaze coach. You know they're you know they're just kind of they're really patting each other on the back a lot here. But then they're like, but when do we get to see our child? Like we haven't seen him yet. And enter uh, on cue. It's the good doctor again. Like I said, played by uh, Griffin Dunn, and he walks in and he's like, "There's my favorite couple, Mister and Mrs. Flanders." Yeah, yeah, and the the dialogue is is not great. I mean, it's very simplistic dialogue. Yeah, but and and I think Griffin Dunn really steals the show throughout the entire thing here. I would agree. Um, with that. He he's For the sure. standout. Uh, he calls him Flanders. He's instantly corrected, and they're like, "It's Landers," and he's like, "Oh yeah, that's right. Flanders is someone with urine poisoning on 39. <laughs> yeah. And then he he just he quickly pulls back part of uh, the the blankets that are covering Brenda. Uh, take a look. He's like, "Oh wow, great stitch work." Yeah, he compliments himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah, great, great stitch work there. And it's like, like just so like they're already they're they're already worried about where their child is, and he comes in and he's just he's just got this sense of just ah you know whatever, and. And they they they're still concerned about. It. So then they're mentioning like, hey, the nurse keeps giving us the runaround about seeing our son. And he immediately starts to throw some excuses. He's like, look, I'd love for them to bring bring them by, but I, I mean, have you seen this place? <laughs> right. It's, it's right. there's sick people everywhere. He's like, I just saw a guy in the hallway with these gnarly scabs, which some of the the, the trivia kind of connection here is uh in america where in london we do see him uh he's walking through a hospital he's got a bunch of scabs all over his body no no um, kidding from being uh uh killed by a werewolf he's kind of like in spirit form he's got a bunch of scabs walking through the hospital um Interesting. okay yeah, and, ta- and talking to his friend but uh he's like yeah i just saw this guy in the hallway with these gnarly scabs i mean I- i'm not about to expose jeffrey to that and brenda is quickly like the child's name's nicholas He's like, oh, okay, sorry, sorry. I've got an old, I have an oath to uphold, and then gives like these weird two thumbs up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, and now Harry, he thinks he's gonna be all smart, you know, like I mean, maybe he knows more than a doctor. He says real quick, he's like, we're Lamaze grads and quarantine healthy child. I mean, that just sounds weird to him, right? And and I, I I love this is kind of where. I think this is where the Griffin Dunn's doctor really kind of 
steps into a form that that I really like. Because then he kind of takes the takes the kid gloves off a little bit. He's obviously offended. Ooh, Lamaze. Well, I forgot that you spent three whole weekends sitting on a floor learning how to breathe. I had to get by on a degree from Harvard <laughs> Medical School. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think that's great because he's now like, fine, whatever. I'm not going to be nice anymore. Hmm. Yeah, his, uh, he, 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 he definitely made a point to mention that he graduated from Harvard Medical School. Yeah, after they had three weekends on the floor learning to breathe. <laughs> <clears throat> now, the landers push back and they're like, hey, we want some of that quality bonding time. I mean, you know, baby's born. You're supposed to put him right on the, like the naked chest and stuff like that and get that, that bonding going there. Um, uh, the doctor's like, fine. He just kind of struts off. He's mumbling to him something about you people uh, as he <laughs> as he walks out. And he leaves the room and then you know, Harry and Brenda are talking and Harry goes say something and he calls the kid Jeffrey. Yeah. I, I, at, at first, when I first heard that line, I thought, did he, I had the theory that he mistakenly said that, but then they thought it was funny. So they left it in. Yeah. But I think I, I'm, I was thinking the same thing and like, you know, and then good on Michelle Pfeiffer. She like quickly ad libbed and was like, Nicholas, like right. you know, going right with it. I, I I think that might have been an honest <laughs> been an honest mistake. Yeah, because um, it doesn't really make sense for him to say the kid's name wrong, but it's kind of it's also funny that he does. Right, right. Yeah. Griffin Dunn reenters the room. He has he's got a child in his arms. The parents are super excited and they're like reaching out. They want to like grab him right away, and he brings it right up to the edge, and then he pulls back. He goes, "Okay, that's enough germs." <laughs> <laughs> like they even get to see him and they start to fuss and, and he's like, fine, fine, fine. Here, you take a better look. And they immediately go and start pulling blanket back a little bit to get a good look at this child. And it's a Mr. Potato Head. <laughs> <laughs> Fully assembled. Fully assembled. Um, and he's just like, ah, you know, whatever. He, I mean, he doesn't flinch for a second when they start questioning. Um, Harry's like, is this a sick joke? Brenda's like, take that hideous thing away. What are you talking about? He's got your eyes. He has your eyes. Yeah. He's like, plus, <laughs> they, they all look like this at first. Right. Then he goes to the explanation about how their how their head is, is pointed, but it, it'll round off after after a little while. Yes. And he does it's this. Like, he, like, he really commits. I, he commits to that explanation for quite a while. Well, yeah, because I think he does this like two or three times or anything. He deepens his voice a bit and gets like the serious voice. When the baby uh, passes through the birth canal, uh, its head uh, gets a little pointy. Right. But his voice changes up a bit for when, uh, you know, for when he starts doing that. And I, I thought that was a, a nice little added thing in um, for that. Then they threaten they're going like, well, they're like, we're going to call a hospital administration. And the doc takes it out of the blanket and suddenly he acts as shock as possible <laughs> and he's holding this like toy up he's like they look so lifelike it's is a simple mistake <laughs> it is, it is <clears throat> mr potato head yeah he's like what? oh my gosh it is wow it's like, how could that have happened <laughs> um and then he leaves again and uh while he's gone harry is trying to calm his wife down he's going to call administration and report this quack and then Brenda comments that she's so happy that he took that assertiveness training. To which then I think he gives a very not so assertive, like, agreement with her. 
<laughs> right. Like right. his answer back is like, yeah, damn straight I did. It's like, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if he's finished these courses yet, maybe, but he's a little bit assertive, I guess. Um, now the doctor returns and when Harry goes to see the child in his arms, it turns out, I love this. I remember this part from okay, seeing so, this. Yeah. Before you reveal this, yeah. this was my favorite part of the entire scene. Mm-hmm. Like this, this, I didn't know what he was get, I didn't know what the second beat of, of this bit was going to be. And this legit caught me off guard and I laughed out loud. Yeah. So, um, I remembered this part and when I was wa- like, but I didn't remember the Mr. Potato Head. I thought it was just a normal doll. Right. So that added in some fun to me in, in seeing this that, oh yeah, he's, it's a, and we got this whole Mr. Potato Head thing. It's not just like a baby that, you know, a doll that looks like a baby. Well, and then, but, and then also, so you're, <clears throat> you're about to reveal what his second beat is, but then the very, the very end of the scene, like his last joke was also like it, it elevated the entire the entire scene and it was probably the best joke of the whole thing yeah um so the doctor comes in and and when they go to see the child in his arms um <laughs> it's, it's it's not even a sock puppet it's just the the doctor's hand it's wrapped up to look like he's swaddling a baby he's making these great like goo goo baby noises <laughs> right. and little and little cries which i kept looking to see if it was his like I don't think I so. I kept looking back to see if his lips were moving or if it was um like uh, like if they edited in the sound later but every time I look closely you can see him going like oh like making all these like little cuz the crying no. noise is very No, funny. he was not. Really? Well, I think he's making like the little like goo goo noises. Yeah, he's not doing but the But then crying. they edit, they edited in the crying, but it looks very it looks very close. Right. Um and he <laughs> he flames the dad for making that baby cry and but, then he pulls I mean, out a bottle but no, no, no from, but explain uh, you, you sort of explain but basically they oh, don't yeah, do yeah. this anymore but it was this old gag where you use your thumb you use a fist and then your thumb is the mouth and and, and so you've got your index finger and your thumb mm-hmm. and they've they've put he's put lipstick on it to make the mouth that, that part and, red and, and like so some little some little fuzzy stuff to look like hair <laughs> right right so he's it's his hand it's his hand that's the baby with the fake mouth using his thumb. <clears throat> yeah. And it's ridiculous. And, then, and so he and he's got it wrapped up so it looks like he's swaddling it. With his other hand, he reaches into uh his jacket pocket and he pulls out um he pulls out a bottle. Yes. Uh filled with milk. So he can start basically feeding the hand puppet. And and he sees that Brenda's like like mad and offended by this, and he goes, Oh, w- <laughs> would you prefer a breastfeed? <laughs> Yeah, that's the money shot right there and for the whole scene. That and that is that that's one of the jokes in this that I would not have gotten as a kid. Right, exactly. Um exactly. but when you're watching this, you're like, oh, it's his hand. He's like, Do you want to... <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. what you're because what, what you're not explaining is yeah, the baby is his hand, and then he he kind of lunges towards her with yeah, his he hands. He leans in towards her, like, oh, do you would you prefer right. to bre- breastfeed? <laughs> um and again, he like he keeps leveling this up, and they're like, right. uh, Harry like goes to grab him, and he backs <laughs> up, and he's like, okay, fine, fine, fine. Due to clerical error, uh, their son has been temporarily misplaced, and and Brenda's like, you lost our son. Did I say lost? I said misplaced. <laughs> right. Like, well, 
is there is there a difference? I mean, he, there's I'm, no difference at yeah. all. No, but there's probably like like if you know because Harry then threatens to sue for like malpractice and negligence right away, and um, and I'm like, oh man, it, this doctor seems like he's running into some problems before. Where maybe saying misplaced is like a legal term to use mm-hmm. instead of saying lost because like lost would be much worse. Right. So it's mi- misplaced. Like, and like, when Harry, like, like he'd lost a baby before and, and he's learned the lesson. You can't say lost anymore. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Cause he does make some reference about how he, how he, how he they don't talk about the nine babies he didn't lose. <laughs> exactly. So yeah. So <laughs> Harry's threatening him. We're going to sue you for malpractice and negligence, et cetera. And he's like, Oh, well, that's great. What, what about, you know, the other 10 babies I didn't lose this week. Right. And then he's like, and if, and if you hadn't distracted me with all that video equipment in the delivery room, I wouldn't have misplaced your little brat. <laughs> right. He is. He's turned us all around. He's blaming it on them. And then Genius. just, just then the nurse walks in. She's like, Oh, we found the child down the hall. He was just in a laundry hamper. Did you, yeah, it said the hamper. Did it say laundry hamper or shoot? Either way. Was it, it was in the laundry. Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. It was just sitting in like a, like a laundry basket type thing. <laughs> right. um, I don't think it was in the shoot. And they start fawning over this new child, and the doc starts to walk away. And he's like, "I hope you are ashamed of yourself." <laughs> well, All yeah, this like he fuss. Totally, he he totally was safe and sound, hook. twenty feet away. Yeah, he totally got off the hook, but he's he's still gonna he's, he's gonna stay on it. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. He is he is committed to like now. It's not only like <laughs> trying to distract them enough while they found the child, but now he's like, "Oh, you know what? Yeah, now they found your child." You're in the wrong. Like, I, I would have liked to the whole time I was watching this, I would have liked to and it obviously you and I are very familiar with this style of comedy from this era. I mean mm-hmm. it's the whole nineteen seventies, nineteen early eighties. That's why I was surprised this movie was eighty seven, because it was more of a like a like a late seventies, early eighties style comedy. But but um I, I I was sitting there thinking I would like to have seen a Monty Python version of this sketch. Like, um, in in what way? I just think that well, they're just better at it. it oh, like, gotcha! Like, I see what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Like yeah. like this this sketch, uh, which I mean that's that's for if listeners don't understand, this movie is basically broken down into sketches. Maybe you mentioned that in the previous two episodes. Yep. But so so this is another sketch, and I, I mean it, it. The premise is is pretty good. I just think Python, the Python guys would have done it much better. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and obviously in our in our telling, it was still funny. It was still very good. I just think the guy, the other guys would have done done it even better. Yeah, I mean, it's um, this one is a very like. There's several of these that feel like, um, especially the ones that John Landis does, where he he like brought in people he knew, like friends. Yeah. Um, sure. to come on. I mean, who didn't? Who doesn't do that? Everybody. Yeah, does I that. I think it's weird that um that Horton doesn't actually just direct this one himself since he does direct several other um, of the skits that we're going to cover uh, throughout this. Uh, he didn't do the one that him and his wife were in. That seems a little weird. How, um, how do you know he didn't direct this one? Did, do you have? Yeah. Yeah. This is a, this is John Landis directed. Uh, skit. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I just, I mean, like, like Griffin Dunn is fantastic. He, he steals the show, you know, and, and I, I'm never going to complain about, you know Michelle Pfeiffer. I I, I just think, like I said, I, I think if you if you replace them with the Python guys who are the best in the business, just about, 
Mm-hmm. I, I think you know because because then you probably would have had you know one of the guys dressed up as as the woman for the wife, and that's always funny <laughs> you know, that whole bit. And so I just think it would have it would have been a a better version of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, mean, um, I, could, you know I, could see, I could see uh I could see like Cleese being. Well, I mean, I, honestly, he could have been the doctor or, or the husband. You know, P- Palin would have been great. You know, th- those guys are just so good. Yeah, but this, and this is a nice little this is a nice little setup. I mean, and you mentioned like that these are sketches. Like, so there's basically like there's sketches, there's fake commercials, and then there's this yeah. um, spoof movie that we're gonna eventually cover uh, called that's Amazon right. Woman on the Moon. That's part of this whole thing. Um, this is mostly this is like an SNL skit. Basically, is what is what this is probably a, yeah, absolutely for sure. Yeah, um, and and it ends with the nurse walking back out back in. She's like, "Hey, um, you have a kidney transplant surgery. Uh, we need you, you know, to get over to do that." And then she's like, "By the way, where's the donor organ?" Right, and he pats his coat. Yeah, he's patting all the pockets on his coat and pants. He's like, <laughs> "Oh, I had it with me when I left for work this morning." Yeah, like he lost his glasses or something. It's fantastic. Yeah, well, why why would the doctor have the the donor or orchid at home. At home. Yeah. <laughs> it seems, that seems very weird to be like, Oh yeah. It's somewhere around here. Like I, I was expecting him to like reach into it and like pull it out of like a pocket. Be like, Oh, here it is. Ready to go. I, I a hundred percent expect him to pull it out of his breast pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, and then at that point in time, uh, you know, we get, it, it cuts over to, a little thing where it's telling us about um uh i think it's a late night movie or a early morning movie type thing and it, it's starting to set up where we're going to see uh some of like it, it's going to start transferring into like the next set of skits and stuff like that yeah um and and getting to see this amazon women on the moon movie which has uh so i guess in kentucky fried movie there is like a similar type thing in there but they show it all as one clip where this is they break this out into like three different parts throughout the movie um the 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 actual movie segment uh, and so we're going to cover all those uh i think i i'm planning to hold that out to the end we're going to wrap up this whole thing um uh, by covering all three parts of that all together Delicious. Uh, but yeah but in the meantime we will be back next week i'm still not sure who our guest is um for next week uh but we're going to be covering <laughs> Two skits that go together uh, on this that are BB uh, King with the PSA about blacks without soul, <laughs> and um, <clears throat> David Allen Greer as Don Nosel Simmons, uh, who's part of the who's part of the one uh, he's part of the Blacks Without Soul sketch. But then there's also like one of those spoofy music ads, like for his album uh, as well later on, in, in, and we'll combine both of them. I'm still working on uh, the guest. Uh, for that next week but um look we're we're marching our way this summer hopefully by the end of summer we'll be ready to uh launch in space and find find something if it's not amazon women maybe some good cheese who knows we'll, we'll, something will be there but we're going to beat spacex to get to the to get to the moon in the meanwhile um tof do you have anything uh that you need to talk about tell people about um, yeah, yeah. I would like to promote, uh, my recovery from hip surgery. So by the time this episode airs, I'll probably be in, I don't know, week two maybe of, uh, of recovery from hip surgery. So perfect. I'm, I'm promoting, I'm promoting my hip surgery and the subsequent recovery from it. 
nice nice and mm-hmm. hopefully uh hopefully when the doctor's done with your surgery he doesn't just come in and look and go oh nice stitch work <laughs> yeah he just comes in and compliments yeah. himself yeah walks over he goes i've got your new hip right here mr mr green and like it's just his hand wrapped up <laughs> <laughs> and mr potato uh, head it's the whole I thing not, over but it's with a hip i may not remind that i may not mind that so much yeah yeah again folks uh Till next week, um, Krista Taylor is ready to take your final measurements for your spacesuit. So you go see him. I am KG, uh, the Chief Lunar Operations Officer, and uh, we will we will be back again next week here on Podfix Network. Till then, Ooh, the Mars. Podfix goes to the moon is a Podfix presents series. Episodes are hosted by me, Keith Gala, recorded, mixed, and edited at the Pop Up Filmcast Studios. This episode was executive produced by Chris Green. Chris is the host of This Week Today and Armchair Radio. And I'm sure with all your thoughts, prayers, and mostly donations, we'll have him back up and running again soon, uh, which is good because we miss Toph in the shows. Meanwhile, you can check out what he's been up to by going to Facebook and joining the Gravity Beard interns. It's literally the greatest place on the internet. Music for this episode was curated from the free music archive that features Alex Productions' motivational cinematic corporate movie, Surge Quadrado's Rocket Adventure. Keep up with Podfix Network on social media at Podfix on Twitter at official underscore Podfix on Instagram. Join the Podfix Nation on Facebook. Subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you get your podcasts from. And finally, go to www.podfixnetwork.com. <laughs>